This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, podcast featuring women and sex addiction. My name is Amy. I'm a recovering sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. And I'm really grateful to be with you today. I feel like I'm starting to get back in the groove of recording more podcasts, and it feels just really, really great. And I'm really glad to be back with you today. I'd like to give just a real quick big shout out to Alaska Woohoo! All of you up there listening in Alaska. I got an email, a couple emails actually recently from some of our listeners in Alaska and I just wanted to give a big shout out to all of you in Alaska. It's probably really cold there. In fact, I know it's really cold there. So I'm hoping that you're starting to warm up a little bit here as uh, we head into spring and hopefully get a little bit more sunlight, right? I, I can't remember how your sunlight darkness works. Right, yeah. You'll get a little bit more sunlight as we head into spring. So anyway, just a big shout out to those of you listening up in Alaska. I appreciate your support and I'm glad that what I say resonates with you. I'm hearing more and more from just so many people and a variety of people, some that are sex addicts, some that aren't sex addicts, some that are male, some that are female, some that don't deal with addiction at all but deal with some severe dysfunction in their family and They have all just said how much what I have to say resonates with them and their lives. And I'm just really grateful for that. I'm grateful for your support. I'm grateful for you reaching out because that helps me to feel less alone in this whole like big mess that I call my life. I love my life, but it's a little bit of a mess. So I'm just really grateful for that. So continue to reach out, continue to find support, continue to do what you need to do in order to maintain your recovery, whatever your recovery is from. Whether that's sex addiction like me, whether that's a dysfunctional family like me, whether that's a substance abuse. I don't have like drugs or alcohol, but if you call food a substance, then I have some some substance issues in my life. But whatever it is that you're recovering from, just keep it up, ladies and gentlemen, but mostly ladies. I do love you gentlemen, but mostly ladies. Keep it up. So today I'm excited to bring to you episode 89. This is the first part of my interview with Shannon. So a few episodes ago, I told you that Shannon is now blogging for Worth Recovery, and I'm so excited about that. You can find her work on the website if you just go to www.worthrecovery.com, and at the very top on the right-hand side, there's just a tab that says blog, and you just click there, and up pops Shannon's information and the her posts, and they're just amazing. Um, she, she shared a post just a few weeks ago about her one year sobriety anniversary, which was awesome. And then most recently she shared a post about uncertainty, which has just really resonated with me. So I'm excited to bring to you today an interview that Shannon and I did. Um, just part one, we'll bring part two later this week, just part one of an interview that we had. I wanted to let you guys get to know Shannon a little bit better kind of understand where she's coming from and how Shannon and I know each other and then also hear a little bit of Shannon's story. 
so that when you go to read the blog and share her information and share her recovery stories that you'll know a little bit about her. So I'm excited. We're just going to jump right in. I'm excited to bring to you part one of our interview with Shannon. So I am very excited to be sitting here today with Shannon. Hi. Yeah. Shannon um, has been blogging for us at Worth Recovery now for a few months and has been helping us out with social media and all that kind of stuff. And I'm really, really excited to have Shannon as part of the Worth Recovery team. And so I thought we would just talk for a minute today about a few things and then also get into Shannon's story a little bit so that uh, you can, our listeners can start to become a little bit more acquainted with you. Sounds good. So first of all, how did you find out or learn about Worth Recovery to begin with from the very beginning? So you were the very first person I ever met in sex addiction. Um, and I got your number from someone else. And I texted you, asked you a question. You responded so nicely. And I thought, <laughs> oh, I can do this. <laughs> so I came to a meeting and we talked for a minute. Mm-hmm. And I made mention of another podcast I was listening to. And you said, oh, wait. I'm a podcast. And I started listening to it, and I couldn't stop listening to it. And I just kept listening and listening. And awesome. That's how we started. Yeah, we kind of, like, that all happened at the same time. Uh-huh. I remember, like, you texted me. I don't even remember the question, but from the very beginning, our conversation over text, and then at the meeting that we went to, the 12 step meeting that we went to, um, I just felt really drawn to you. I felt like we kind of, had a lot in common. Same. Same. Yeah. 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 Shannon's been a huge support of me podcasting. Like when I get frustrated or things like that, like Shannon is really great to be like, I learned this and I loved this episode and thanks for all your help and all that kind of stuff. It's true. Your story and your journey has really helped me. And I can remember many a times when you and I have been talking in whatever way shape and form and I've been struggling with something in my life and having you say it is okay for you to be in this place right now has been critical for my recovery journey so thank you oh thank you I feel like we just right before we started recording we had another one of those moments (laughs) right where like you know the story we've been telling ourselves our whole life is broken and we learn new things and you having done that just a few months ago, or a few, maybe it was just a few weeks ago even, but over the last few months with your own story has helped me to also draw strength and realize that it's okay. Like we can put the pieces back together and we can figure out a new direction for our life. It's true. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we want to, on this interview, make sure that our listeners know a little bit about who you are because we've we've had those we've had some um, great really great by the way um blog blog i couldn't remember the right word we had those great blog uh blog posts yes thank you we have <laughs> losing my vocabulary so i want our listeners to be able to know a little bit more about you we've had your great blog posts up so far and we've had really great response to those and people have really resonated with what you had to say, but we want to make sure that they all have an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you. So let's start with first 
your kind of sex addiction recovery journey. So prior to that text that you sent me, and this was only about maybe nine months ago, 10 months ago? It was a year ago in April. A year ago in April. Okay. So yeah, about a year ago, our, our past crossed. So before that happened, what were you doing in sex addiction recovery? Um, I was trying other um, 12-step fellowships that were not keeping me sober. Um, prior to that point in time, I also had... Um, so when I was 16, I went through drug and alcohol treatment. And I went through the 12-step sin, and I was like, done, chick, done it. I'm good. Um, I got pregnant really quickly right after I had um, gotten out of rehab. Um, I was 17 when I got pregnant with my first child, not married. And uh, I can see now, after completing my first step in 12-step recovery, recognizing how much my drug and alcohol addiction is really interlaced with my sex addiction. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so at 16, you went to rehab? I went to rehab for drugs and alcohol. Okay. Um, I knew at that point in time I really loved boys. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say men at that point in time, but I did. <laughs> I loved they boys. They weren't I, men at that point in time, right? I wanted boys. attention. I wanted their... Um, I wanted connection. I wanted... Uh, I wanted to be needed and loved and cared for. Mm -hmm. um, and that I felt that like deep in the core of my being. Yet, I only had my own experience and I didn't know that that's not how everybody else felt. And so that was, I mean, it's been a part of my life for a very, very long time. Yeah. And so you said you got pregnant right away getting out of rehab. Mm -hmm. 17. 17. Unmarried. Unmarried. Uh -huh. Um. I also do this other thing where I am the catch and release kind of a kind of a gal. So I had uh, gotten with this particular person. He wanted to get married. I did not want to get married, and so I pushed him away. And I said, "Let me have my space." And by the time I had chosen what I was going to do um, and keep this child, he was no longer around. So. Became a single mom at 18 um, and really felt like I wanted a life for her and a life for us. And I wanted that happy little family. And so I asked and asked and asked for um, more people to come into my life. And uh, yeah, I got married at 21 um, to somebody who was a very safe option for me. And... That's, yeah. Okay. So you got married at 21. I did. And you had more children? I did. I had three more. Okay. Um, one, I got pregnant with one within six months of getting married. And then I had two others that were, they're each about four years apart. Yeah. So other than, you know, like your original drug, alcohol, rehab at 16, have you struggled with drugs and alcohol through your adult life? Um, I have not because, um, the functional part of myself will tell my addict when something is not okay anymore. Mm. And once I had been through drug and alcohol treatment, it was, um, that was no longer an option for me anymore. So I still crave it and I still want it, but it has not been something that I have relapsed mm -hmm. against. Um, 
I was actually talking to another woman not too long ago, a couple days ago, and talking about how um, a first lit cigarette to me still to this day, 20 something years later, is so incredibly enticing, especially if I'm in a not very good place. Mm. Um, it's that sense of relief, like that it's just, it's going to do something for me. Mm-hmm. And and I know that from past experience. And so if I'm in a bad place and I walk past somebody who has just lit up, it still puts me right back like I'm 16 all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can relate they to run, that. They run, those addictive tendencies run so deep. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, I was talking to some other women who are, you know, are sober. They've been working recovery for a while, but they're struggling with this idea that I'm still struggling. Like, I'm still triggered by these things. And I have to remind myself, I think I talked about this on a previous episode, but I have to remind myself that I've only been living, like, recovery principles for 13% of my life. And so 87% of my life I've been living in dysfunction. And so that, like, pull to live or relive or go back to those you know, kind of tendencies and those pulls and those draws is really strong at 87%, you know, and, and I have to really keep myself in check. It's so true. And talking about like the expectation of, you know, I'm going to do this and this is going to be how my life's going to be now, right? I'm going to enter recovery and now my life's going to be great. I felt that same thing in marriage. Like I'm going to get married and my life's going to be great now. I'm not, somebody's going to love me. Somebody's going to take care of me. And I won't, I won't need to fill this with any other way Mm -hmm. because now I'm married and that was not my experience. Yeah. Right. I think we both know a lot of women who got married thinking that marriage would fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like I'll quit acting out when I get married and that marriage will fix all of these problems. It's true. And my acting out changed once I got married Mm -hmm. because my functional self said, these things are no longer options for you. So having sex outside of marriage is no longer an option for you because you're married now. You know, this is the, this is the person for you. Yet the addict in me found all these other beautiful ways to (laughs) still get what she wanted. Right. And still try to find connection in very unhealthy Mm -hmm. ways. And so when did you kind of become aware in your marriage that you were acting out in other ways besides, I mean, you originally, it was like alcohol, you know, and drugs, right? Then you get married thinking that this is going to fix everything. When did you start to become aware that, that you were acting out in other ways inside your marriage? Um, I think I kind of always knew deep down mm-hmm. that some of the behaviors I was exhibiting were not right or yeah. unhealthy. So what were some of those behaviors um, early on? Texting other men, trying to get validation from other men, even just a lot of flirting, you know, and I would just say, oh, this is just who I am. I'm just a big flirt. And I would really justify it in that way. Um, I would justify it with my husband's unavailable and so I have to get these needs met and mm. I have to get these needs met outside myself and so therefore this is why I have to do these things. Um, whether it's was on with chat, whether it was texting, whether it was with people that I were in my life, like um, whether it was a, a fantasy inside my head, um, anything that was really escaping reality for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but the big kicker for me was um, crossing a line that I swore I would never cross and getting much more involved with one particular person than I had intended to mm-hmm. going into it. Yeah. And so you have that moment, right, mm-hmm. where you cross that line. Mm-hmm. And, and so what did you do? My life fell apart. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, my husband had found out about um, one very small detail of this relationship. Um, other people in my life started finding out about it, and I felt like I was damaged goods and that there was no redemption, there was nothing for me, um, that I was completely broken and my life was a sham. Mm-hmm. And so... That's a hard moment. Yes. Yeah. So that was where I realized that there I couldn't live this way anymore. Yeah. And so what did you do first? <laughs> so... Um, I reached out to a couple friends that were somewhat aware. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing I've been really good at in my life is finding people that will protect my story for me as well and um, will uh, live in this alternate reality with me and take my side on everything. And so I reached out to those people and they did all the things I have always wanted and needed it for them to do. Well, I love that phrase, like finding people that will protect my story, right? Mm-hmm. Protect my fantasy, my real, my false reality that I've built up. Because I've never heard it termed that way before, but I think, I, I mean, I think I'm good at that too, right? Mm-hmm. Finding those people that will always be on my side, that aren't really reflective mirrors, but are, you know, like warriors for me and protecting my story. And, and I appreciate these people and love these people, and I've realized that they are not the people that I can come to when I'm really struggling because they will always tell me how wonderful and great I am. Mm-hmm. And they do that because they love me mm-hmm. and right. that they don't have the same information that I have about myself and about what I choose to do. So it's not their problem. It's mine. Right. It's, yeah. I'm, it's, it's the addict in me that's finding those people that are willing and able mm-hmm. to share and hold that story for me. Yeah. So you reached out to some of those people I at did. the very beginning. I did. Right. Um, to create some ammunition. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to war. <laughs> I was going to war. Um, and warring was not good for me either. Yeah. And um, so then I had met one particular girl um, and she said, how about we try this 12-step fellowship? And I said, sure. And at that point in time, I was completely willing and ready to do anything I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And, so. and if I remember right, that's like, that was a faith-based like 12-step fellowship program, right? Well, I was going to that one anyways first. Oh, okay. So I was going, I actually, so I guess let's go back a little bit more. So um, I have other addicts in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was going to a faith-based 12-step fellowship as a support person for these other addicts in my life. Okay. So addiction is a big part of your story. Like, yes. Not just your own addiction, but mm-hmm. like familial or in your life, people yes. that are in your life, you have other addicts. 
for sure. Um, so you were going as to get support as a support person. Right. Because right. I did not have a problem, clearly. Right. right. Clearly, right? <laughs> clearly, I, I <laughs> you was... You had been to rehab. Right. That was, that, you were done with that. Right. I had worked on my stuff. It was yeah. all these other people's problems. Right. That they had not worked on their stuff. Right. So if they could just get on board... <laughs> I would be great. And I really um, relied a lot on faith, um, faith-based things to help me get through mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Which was great and fabulous. And I love faith-based things. And for me, that was just another crutch. It was just another escape from reality because I still wasn't dealing with what was really happening inside. Yeah. I, I'm a very spiritual, religious person. I've said that before on the podcast, but I also know that not, but, and, and, and I also know that it's really easy. And a lot of people use religion or spirituality or faith as a bypass, right? Rather than deal with their own things or work on their own stuff. They just pray more. They just need to have more faith. They just, you know, rather than really live in reality they live in this kind of faith fantasy world that you know everything will be okay it's true i used all i mean what's interesting to me now is i use all the same tools that i had been taught but in a very different way Mm -hmm. um that i i use them like with myself included versus outside of myself like i don't know how else to explain that um the things that I was taught and believed then are still the things that I I believe today. Mm-hmm. They're just more intrinsically like a part of who I am versus yeah. the surface level. Superficial mm-hmm. cure, right? Right. Yeah. Because like I, I, I think, you know, one of the things that people told me before recovery, you know, was that everything happens for a reason, right? I thought and, that a lot too. Yeah, right? And you're like, everything happens for a reason. And and so I tell myself that, like, everything happens for a reason. And I didn't really allow myself space to be, like, bogus. Like, you know, what's the reasoning behind this trauma or this death or this going on, right? And, you know, and that everything was, like, ascribed to God. And it was God's, you know, like, God's making this happen in my life. And because that, when you say everything happens for a reason, that's what it feels like. Like, right. God's making this happen in my life. And I, I kept thinking, like... Like, why would God make that happen in my life? Like, that didn't make sense. But I didn't feel like there was space in this spiritual bypass for me to question that. Like, why is God making that happen, you know? And now I've gone through a spiritual awakening and process, and and I feel like what you're saying. Like, I, I do believe that things happen for a reason. And I do believe that, like, everything will eventually work out, you know, like how it's supposed to work out. But it's it feels much more a part of my spiritual process, like who I am and not like this bypass because I've questioned it and I've gone through it and I've, you know, gone to war with God about it a little bit and come out realizing that things change. And, and so like, I totally, I love what you said, just that it's more a part of me now rather than this superficial, like bandaid of what spirituality is supposed to be like, or. Well, and I think too, for me, faith really cannot exist without grief, without some sort of grief. And allowing myself to grieve whatever it is that I need to grieve mm-hmm. has been such a key part of my recovery journey because I never allowed myself to grieve. I mm-hmm. felt like 
in the same aspect, if I believed that everything happened for a reason, which I did, then I my job was to find meaning in that reason. And so I couldn't allow myself to fall apart first. It was this happened, and now it's my job to find out why and to fix it. Mm-hmm. Instead of this happened, and I'm really sad about it, and I don't really know what's happening, and I'm grieving this loss, or I'm grieving this loss, and let myself have that space before I get to the point of, and now what am I going to do about it? Right. I missed that whole part right beforehand. Yeah. I remember uh, Jonathan Taylor, who was on our podcast a while ago, shared that uh, a quote, and I don't remember who it's by, but that, that they believed that addiction was the grief process interrupted. I 100% believe that. Right. For my life, that has yeah. been true. Yeah. Okay, so you were in a 12-step, like, fellow faith-based fellowship for support, right? For, yeah, right. Just learning how to support other people in recovery and, and, and getting your own support as these other family members or fa- fa- friends or whatever were struggling with addiction. Yes, two or three times a week. Um, I was checking off all the check boxes of all the things I was supposed to do in my life. And um, at the same time, having behaviors that I was, compl- sex addiction behaviors that I was not okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, in the middle of having a relationship with another man, mm-hmm. I was still going to these face-based <laughs> support because I was not the problem. It was everyone around me. Right. And if they would just get their life straight, I wouldn't then even you have wouldn't to... need this other relationship. Right. Right. Um, and then I started thinking that maybe... I sh- I thought maybe working the steps again would be a good idea, so I started going to both. So I would go to one support and one with, that's for addicts, and it was just a general addiction meeting. Um, and it still wasn't enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started going to one that was kind of a faith-based 12-step that was sort of for sex addiction without calling it sex addiction, mm-hmm. but for women only... Um, and it still wasn't enough for me. And so then that's when I... Yeah. When you say it wasn't enough for you, can you describe what you mean by that? Like, what, is, what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, for me, there was no accountability. There okay. was no... In this particular 12-step fellowship, there was no... It was strongly discouraged to exchange phone numbers with each other. Um, oh, wow. So, like, even the people in the meeting, like, you didn't... Right. You didn't reach out to each other nope. for help. There was no, um, there was one particular person that I did just because we knew each other prior to going to that okay. meeting. Got it. Um, but we didn't, we saw each other once a week or twice a week and we caught up then, but there was no accountability in between times. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no sponsorship. There was no, um, it seemed like the steps were rushed. It was kind of a, you focused on, a step each week and then you repeated the process every 12 weeks and I've been working on my step four now for several months and I am nowhere near ready to be done yeah and so and it took me oh gosh maybe six weeks or so to write my step one so it just didn't go deep enough for me it didn't I never felt like it hit the real issues that I was facing. Mm. It was great, and I felt a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings while I was there. Um, 
but it just didn't go mm-hmm. to that deep, like, core meaning, core part of me that was lost. Yeah. And I remember coming into my first 12-step fellowship, which we are both a part of, uh-huh. and reading one particular part of the book, and it was as if I was home, that this was where I needed to be. And yeah. I knew that this is, that this was Everything that they had described was all the things I had thought and felt about myself my whole life. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling. Like, I, I'm, I think every addict, like, I don't know that every addict, but at least those that I've experienced, we have those moments where, like, truth rings in our core, right? Mm-hmm. And we have that moment where we're like, oh, this is my, like, this is me. Like, this is my problem or this is, you know, what I'm struggling with. And, and I love those moments because like, I can't deny that, like that, that truth. I just really believe that truth rings like physically in our body, you know, and we have that moment and we can, like you said, I, I knew I was home. Like, you know, we have those moments that say, I'm, I'm, this is me. Like I'm, this is me. And, and like sometimes for me, my whole body like relaxes, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, like this is, this is it, you know, when that truth comes in. Yeah, that was my experience of just feeling like this is, this is where I belong. Yeah, awesome. So you've been attending meetings. We've been attending meetings together now for almost a year, April. Mm-hmm. It'll be a year. Yep. Nice. Okay. We're going to go ahead and pause right there in our interview with Shannon. I've got another episode to bring It'll take another episode to uh, to share the ending of that of that interview and and to share a little bit more about her story. I'm really grateful for Shannon. She's been an integral part of my recovery and my support network. Um, as we all need those support network as we go through recovery, we can't do this by ourselves. And I'm grateful for Shannon and her willingness to share her experiences with us. So later this week we'll have episode 89 where we'll hear the ending of this wonderful interview and hear a little bit more we'll hear a little bit more about Shannon and why she has chosen to share her experiences with us on the blog just a few quick reminders before we close Um, remember you can read Shannon's blog at www.worthrecovery.com slash blog or in the top you just go to the blog section and you can hear about Shannon and share and her experiences in recovery Also, registration is open for our event in Washington this summer. It's July 15th. Um, Our event is titled Intentional Recovery. Healing Happens on Purpose. And we just secured our final speaker this week. And I'm excited to be bringing you more about them and as we go forward and some more information. So keep looking at that. I hope you're coming. I hope you're going to be there. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be awesome. And a real quick shout out to our Worth Warriors You ladies are amazing. Thank you so much. I hope that you're having a fantastic day. And as always, remember that you are worth recovery. You are worth it. A hundred percent worth it. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter how shameful you feel, no matter what others around you are saying or doing, you are worth recovery. And I believe in that. I believe that. I believe in you. And I know that you can do this. So keep up the fight. No matter what's going on, keep it up. Don't forget, you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. If this podcast has helped you even just a little bit, 
If you think it's worth 50 cents, get online and join the Worth Warriors. All the details are on the website, worthrecovery.com. Ladies, please remember that I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.